Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, January 22nd. Another Bank of Canada interest rate announcement will be coming down this week. Will it hold steady, increase, or finally start to go down? We catch up with Bill Robson, CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute, for his thoughts on what we might see this time around from the BOC. Next, could taking a daily multivitamin be the key to mental sharpness as we age? We hear details on a new study on the topic from Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, are we doing happiness all wrong? We catch up with biochemist, author, and philanthropist Dr. Ski Chilton, who explains why he believes the formula for happiness in Western society simply does not work for most people and what he believes is the true path to contentment. The Bank of Canada expected to make the first interest rate announcement of 2024 this Wednesday. The C.D. Howe Institute's Monetary Policy Council is recommending that the bank keep the rate at 5%. Bill Robson is the CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute and joins us now to talk about the recommendation and what else was included in the Institute's report. Good morning to you, Bill. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, my pleasure. We hear a lot about the C.D. Howe Institute. Can you tell us uh, about the Institute itself, what your organization does and is? We're an economic policy think tank, so uh, wherever we think there are issues that need attention, uh, we we try to focus our research, and monetary policy has been a a key area for obvious reasons uh, lately, and and it's always an important policy area. So one of the things that we do is we sponsor this council, and ahead of every Bank of Canada overnight rate setting, uh, the group, uh, they're they're half bank economists, half uh, academics, uh, who they, they they say what they think the bank should do. So it's not a forecast. They're recommending uh, looking uh, ahead how the bank should behave to hit its 2% target. And um, uh, I think the advice is generally helpful. And on this occasion, I think it summarized pretty nicely some of the considerations, uh, pro and con. People are expecting the bank to lower rates, think that the bank should lower rates, but there's a division about how quickly that should happen and how far they should go by, say, a year's time. All right. So for those, it's interesting, we've had so many of these, Bill, but this one just, yeah, seems to hold much more weight for Canadians who've been having a struggle or those mortgages coming up. Um, so if, if, if it's not this time, and again, you're saying, you know, your organization saying we should hold the rate, when will it be? Do you, do you think the next time around we'll, we'll maybe see some relief? Well, it's probably, if you look at what the, uh, the Monterey Policy Council is recommending, uh, they're looking for the bank to stay uh, where it is uh, in, at the upcoming setting, the, the one this week, and then again in March. Um, but the further ahead you look, the more the members of the group uh, are, are moving in the direction of a cut. And by this time next year, every uh, single member thinks that the bank should be lower. The thing that has them uh, uh, divided over when to move, there was um, one member who said that they ought to move this time, uh, and then a couple more uh, looking for a cut as early as March. The, the problem in a lot of people's minds, I mean, there's always challenges interpreting the data, but even if people were reasonably confident about the bank's inflation forecast being right, uh, and, and the bank economists generally are looking for the same thing. They do think we're going to get back to 2%. There's a lot of concern about the bank's credibility. After all, they didn't see the big surge in inflation coming. Uh, that uh, clearly undermined uh, the confidence that a lot of people have in the Bank of Canada and in inflation getting back to target. And so among our group, there were a fair number arguing you, you just can't be too quick off the mark cutting rates if it looks as though inflation is staying stubbornly high because the bank's got a lot of credibility on the line here.
So, Bill, I mean, why the the five? Why why is the institute recommending a hold at five percent? Well, uh, I guess I should start by saying why not move higher? I mean, the Fed's range is a little higher, and some of the inflation indicators recently have been moving in the wrong direction. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that. Uh, among the group, there's a sense that a lot of the steam has come out of the economy. A lot of the robustness that we've seen lately has been south of the border. And, of course, that matters a lot for Canada. If the United States is running hotter than expected, that's going to make a difference to us. But looking domestically, the economy really has cooled off. We're not seeing it in the GDP figures. People often focus on if GDP is declining uh, for a quarter or two, that, that that's uh, often people think of that as a recession. Um, but what's happened uh, that's really making a challenge for interpreting the numbers is population has surged so much on a per person basis. Probably when we get the numbers for the end of 2023, we're going to see that uh, real GDP per person was down about two and a half percent over over the uh, year, uh, which is quite a decline. I mean, if population wasn't growing, we'd be saying recession for sure. So that uh, that's the case for not raising rates further. There's a lot of disinflationary pressure in the economy already. Uh, as to why uh, not to cut right away. Uh, well, I, I kind of covered that off. Um, the other thing that's worth mentioning, I guess, quickly is uh, we did have a kind of disinfl- disappointing inflation report last time around. Not so much the headline number, uh, but measures of core inflation that people know the Bank of Canada pays special attention to didn't move in the right direction. So that would have reinforced people's reluctance to see a rate cut right away. So that's why the group recommended staying at five. I'm wondering, you know, Bill, and by the way, we're spending some time this morning with Bill Robson, CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute. Is this the best path forward? And I know that we're not the only nation having a tough time right now. Can we take any cues from other countries who are doing things in a different manner? Or is this the best course of action for Canada right now? I think everybody, well, not, not China has disinflation, but of course that's a whole uh, other world over there. But when you look at the countries that we compare ourselves to most often, the United States, uh, the UK, Australia, they all had inflationary blow-offs uh, that they didn't expect. And they've all been working to bring inflation uh, back down. And I, 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 it's, I'm fairly confident for what it's worth myself that in fact the Bank of Canada's uh, inflation forecast uh, is is probably going to be roughly right. I think we probably will get back to two percent uh, at at the uh, uh, by by the by 2025 for sure. Um, but but um, when you, when you look abroad, a lot of central banks are facing something of the same um, uh, balancing act because if you're aiming for a soft landing, then. Uh, by the nature of things, sort of half the numbers that come out as you're on your way there and you're looking at things like retail sales and housing starts and and, um, the GDP numbers, all central banks look at roughly the same set of data. Um, Half of those things are going to kind of surprise you to the upside as you're thinking about this path that you want to get down. So it is a bit of a balancing act. The risk uh, my own judgment on this, and, and you, you see this in the votes of some of the members of our Monterey Policy Council, is that they might already have put a lot of breaking power onto the economy. Um, and what that means is that as the higher mortgage rates, you mentioned this earlier, start to bite, uh, we've seen negative, the, the stock of money, If you, old-fashioned monetarists who watch how much money is out there circulating in the economy, it's been falling. Um, and so there are some indicators that say there 
the the pressure that's already been put on in, uh, inflation to, to move down is actually quite strong. It's just taken a while to come through. Um, and so there's a lot of wariness that central banks might overdo it. Uh, so I think that when the time comes when they feel comfortable cutting, they're actually going to do it with a fair amount of enthusiasm uh, because they worry too. Nobody wants a hard landing. So far, they seem to have steered a pretty good path to avoid one. Um, and and so uh, that's – anyway, I, I think that's – I'm trying to capture the balancing mm-hmm. act that's in everybody's mind, including the Fed, including the Bank of England, including the Bank of Australia. First interest rate announcement of 2024 comes on Wednesday. We'll be waiting to see what happens. Thanks so much for joining us and breaking it down, Bill. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Bill Robson, CEO of the C.D. Howe Institute. Taking a daily multivitamin may protect against memory loss in older adults. That's according to a trio of new studies that point to a slowdown of cognitive aging for participants who took the vitamins during their trial. To discuss, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Happy Monday morning to you, Dr. Jablonski. Good morning. It's interesting because there's two reasons I brought this to your attention, and uh, Sue is back, by the way, this week. Um, And A, it it broke late last week. I think on Thursday I was reading about this. And B, I'm a big fan of vitamins, and I've been beaten up by my coworkers, and I've been questioned by professionals. Uh And now we've got this study. So it's kind of self-serving, Dr. J. Uh, yeah, and you're, you're trying to make me change my mind. Yeah. I know what this is all about. Okay, I know. Well, you're a very smart man. <laughs> uh, having said that, this research, it was a very large study, wasn't it? Yes, but <laughs> I'm a little bit cynical about everything. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat. I haven't bought this whole story yet. So essentially, this study was 21,000 people following them for three years. The, the biggest part of the study was really to see would cocoa powder or, or flavonoids and or multivitamins and minerals, would it actually protect against cardiovascular disease and cancer? That was the main purpose of this study, nothing to do with memory or cognition. They had a small little subset of the population that they looked at and did sort of memory tests on them. And that's where this finding comes out is on this small subset. So in that group was probably about 5,000 people and they either got placebo they got this cocoa extract, they got multivitamins, or they got cocoa extract and multivitamins together. And what they found out is that not all the testing improved, but only on this one particular category, what they call episodic memory, which is a bit of a longer-term memory. The group that got multivitamins and, and trace minerals seemed to score slightly better two years out of the three years. So I'm not sure that you can project out that data to say that this protects against Alzheimer's dementia or is going to protect our memories, etc. This was fairly short. There's only a three-year study. Um, and, and despite it being a pretty good number of patients, I'm not sure that I'm 100% convinced, although it's a little bit positive. So I'll give it that. <laughs> so uh, can, did you say, so the, 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 one, the group that took the multivitamins, and the cocoa powder or just the multivitamins? They no, saw? it's just the multivitamins. Damn so, it, I was trying to get my chocolate bar in there. <laughs> well, so, so the cocoa powder seemed to be, people had less cardiovascular death in the cocoa powder group compared to any other group. 
but they still have the same number of cardiovascular events. Hmm. So again, a, a, a finding that's interesting, but nothing we could really hang our hat on. But when it came to cocoa powder and brain function, no effect at all. Drat. Drat. So, so, but yeah. you, know, you know, we've talked about vitamins in the past. There's a plethora. There's so many. And Andy takes every one I of take them. Nine hundred. But um, this was focused on the multivitamins. So would it be, I'm trying to get some, some, somebody on my team, would <laughs> it be, luck. even if it does have that potential to help, would it be any harm to take a multivitamin every day? No, and every time we talk about this, it, you know, I don't believe multivitamins uh, are harmful in any way. Although previous studies, I must say, <laughs> did show new, uh, neutral, if slightly negative on, on some of the events. But what we're talking about, the, the, the actual multivitamin used was a Centrum product, so-called Centrum Silver. I actually looked at that. It's a standard multivitamin that has a lot of different vitamins, has a lot of uh, different, um, we call trace minerals, which would be things like calcium, uh, magnesium, zinc, selenium, copper. Like these, This is a standard multivitamin, so nothing exotic at all. Um, and none of that would do any harm. And I think people who benefit the most, and even the study agreed with this, is somebody who perhaps, for whatever reason, is unable to eat a good balanced mm-hmm. diet and perhaps is a little bit deficient for whatever reason, this might fill in those gaps. We do know a lot of these vitamins do have play on neurologic tissue and play on brain. So it's not a big stretch that if you had somebody who's deficient in, say, vitamin B12, if we give them vitamin B12, they're actually going to have better cognition, better memory, better brain function. That's that's a no-brainer, pardon the pun. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the question is, if we're healthy and we're eating a good diet, we should get all of this for the most part. So there, we shouldn't have big holes in our, in our nutrition. But for somebody who perhaps does, or for whatever reason, this could fill those gaps, and that's legit. So, Dr. J, just sort of, you know, overall, if you're going to take anything, would you take uh, a multi or would you just kind of focus on, you know, uh, one or two in particular? What would you take? Well, so, you know, I'm a fan of vitamin D in the winter for Canadians. Right. And that's sort of something that could be handpicked. But outside of that, I don't mind this sort of more multivitamin trace mineral approach because it is uh, nothing's too heavy. Uh, it's pretty, um, it's a pretty good bonus, right? across the board, right? As opposed to handpicking and, and doing excessive amounts. I know some people are, um, you know, uh, historically um, have used very high doses of vitamin C with the belief that this could have antioxidant property, perhaps cancer preventing property. So handpicking one and using it in extreme I'm not sure that I'm a big fan of it. I, I, I would rather this sort of a little bit of everything right across the board, with perhaps the exception of vitamin D being a little heavier yeah. or handpicking that one particularly. But you did mention that this study centered around <laughs> a, a Centrum product, which is, you know, we, we all know that name. So does it matter that how much you're spending on a multivitamin or, you know, like, is it, can you get a better quality multi is what I'm getting at? Or does it matter if I get a no name? I would say if you looked at, you have to uh, read labels for sure, but if you look at a Centrum product or equivalent of that and look at a no-name brand, they're made by the same factory, same company, and they're all the same. Um, so for the most part, so yes, you can get a no-name brand, but read your labels. Is it look like the product that, you know, is being used? And, and in the study, I mean... It was sponsored by a company that makes Centrum. So, um, again, they had to pick something. They had to use something. So, But, again, yeah, just look at the labels. Is my no-name brand that's a little bit cheaper 
got the same quantities, the same all the mm-hmm. same sort of makeup that the uh, the branded product has. If it does, I, I'm again, I think you can absolutely use a no brand product. Thank you, Dr. J. I, I feel like we can continue to make fun of Andy and all the vitamins he takes. Thank you so much for breaking it down. Appreciate your time. You betcha. Dr. Ted Jablonski is our on-call family physician. Have we been doing happiness all wrong? Dr. Ski Chilton says the formula we've been handed for happiness in Western society does not work for most people, but he has discovered one that does. Joining us on this Motivational Monday is biochemist, philanthropist, and author, Dr. Ski Chilton. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, good morning. It's so good to be here from Tucson, Arizona this morning. Well, I just got back from Arizona, so I can appreciate where you are and the beautiful weather you're having on this cold morning in Calgary. But it is Motivational Monday, so we're hoping you can warm us up as we talk about your new book, There Is Another Way to Happiness, the four-step cast process that'll transform your life. First off, let's kind of step back a little bit and talk about how we're doing happiness wrong before we, we figure out how to do it right. Well, Sue, uh, I, I, I listened to your newscast uh, before you came on, and it, it was a beautiful newscast, but it reminded me of how we're doing happiness wrong. Um, you, the biggest misconception is happiness is, is natural. And the reason it's not natural is we have these unconscious minds. They're very primitive, and they're very fast, and they're, we don't even know what they're doing, and they're built for survival and performance protection and they remember the past they hear threats they remember all childhood trauma they're focused on our future uh, controlling our future they're focused on loneliness and and again these are happening within our mind 95 percent of our thoughts and they're just taking us on stream we feel them we feel the anxiety from them we feel the emotion from them but they they have to be reprogrammed and 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 that's the fundamental thing is you have two minds competing for your attention at any given moment Dr. Chilton, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Uh, is it not difficult to define happiness because it's so subjective? What I might enjoy as happiness is a, a feeling of accomplishment because I clean my house. For other folks, it could be planning a, a, a month-long cruise, for example. Is not uh, the difficulty uh, that happiness is so individual? I think it is, but I think contentment, peace, joy, enter you know one of the things i point out in my book is and another way to happiness uh i grew up very poor in the appalachian mountains uh i was dyslexic i was put in a trailer when they called it a retarded trailer because i was dyslexic that produced a 52 page cv that produced johns hopkins that produced wake forest that produced head of whatever but that I could not have been more unhappy because all I was trying to do was to prove myself worthy. And with each mountain, there was another mountain. So when I talk about happiness, I'm talking about inner peace, inner contentment, inner joy. So, I mean, how how do you get there then? You, you know, you've got a new outlook on life, obviously, then from, from how your life started. How, how did you get to that point? How how can others take, you know, advantage of the lessons that you learned and get there? Well, so it's, I 
as a evolutionary geneticist, I could not have poo-pooed uh, mindfulness more eight years ago. But it's been a eight-year mindfulness journey. And again, it's it's rewiring our minds. This unconscious mind is going to be in the car with you all through your life. It's going to be warning you. You're going to be ruminating. It's going to be in that car with you the whole time. However, that conscious mind, and again, through mindfulness, that conscious mind has to be aware of that unconscious mind. And, and the metaphor I like to use is you just move the unconscious mind into the back seat and, and with all due respect, just keep your mouth shut. Or if you're going to, we're not going to play the radio as loud as you want to play it because I'm focusing my conscious mind on things that will bring me joy and happiness. So those are the four steps. There's 13 weeks of meditation uh, at the end of this book, and the four steps are to get you to that point where your conscious mind is not listening to the glaring, blaring sound of the unconscious that's coming that's making you unhappy. Speaking this morning with Dr. Ski Chilton, biochemist, philanthropist, and of course, author, the online anotherwaytohappiness.com. In the book, there's another way to happiness, the four-step cast process that will transform your life. Dr. Chilton, I know that uh, you want people to pick up the book and flip through them, but can we break down those four steps for us? Absolutely. So the four steps, initially the four steps, the first step is essentially what I'm just saying. It's the understanding that there's two yous in you. And I call it the I and the me, but philosophers for a couple hundred years have called it different things. But there's an I and a me, and the me is the unconscious mind. It's constantly, for most people, 95% of the time, it's feeding our thoughts. It's feeding our anxiety. So number one is awakening to consciousness. Number two is enhancing our awareness. There are things that have happened to us in our childhood, in our past. There are things we don't want to live there, but quite often they've been suppressed. So we need to bring those to the, to the front, and then we need to let them go. And so the second is deepening awareness. The third step is the art of surrender. The only way that we can be beautiful, the only way that we can find freedom, the only way that we can find happiness is to surrender control. Either control is in control or happiness is control. So again, the third step is surrendering control, surrendering all of these feelings that, that come from your unconscious mind. The fourth step is trust. That is, we believe that we are where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there at any given moment. And we have great confidence in that. So those are the four key steps to happiness. How does a biochemist get to this state of consciousness? How, how do those two things work in your brain? Oh, isn't that a good question? Well, you know, like I said, I tried every which way. I, I, I again, 52-page CV, but coming out of a second marriage, the answer to your question is pain. I tried every other way. The answer to after coming out of a second destructive marriage and I was hurting others and others were hurting me and I seemed to be able to save the world in every other realm of my life, I started a mindfulness journey. 
four years into that mindfulness journey, I had a catastrophic horse accident. I'd rescued an Arabian horse, and that Arabian horse one Sunday afternoon broke my pelvis completely in half. They said, you'll never walk again. You, you, it, this is it. Your quality of life, it's gone. I got to sit in a wheelchair for six months in front of a, a palm tree that I call Divine Presence, and through the mindfulness steps that I've, they came to me, and then I put them in a conceptual framework. So if a biochemist can do anything, it is sometimes they can take the extraordinarily complex and make it simple, and perhaps I was able to do that. Interesting. I'm, I'm wondering, uh, because you've written the book on it, it sounds like you've had a remarkable journey yourself, Dr. Chilton. You have dug into happiness. Can anybody do this on their own, or is there at some point you have to say, I should talk to a professional because I can't find happiness? How does that work? Well, I, you know, I go to a counselor every week. Uh, she's a 76-year-old woman, and uh, she just beats the crap out of me every week. So that's, <laughs> I think we, I think we need that. Don't, don't get me wrong. We need professional help, especially with the awareness part, because if there's a lot of childhood trauma down there, really a lot to to go through yourself. But the counselor can't be with you all the time. You're with yourself all the time. So at least three times a day, I just meditated before I got on this show for 15 minutes. In the middle of my day-to-day, I'm going to take a walk across the campus, and I'm going to meditate while I'm walking, looking at the trees. Now, it's not actual meditation, but I'm going to look at my mind, and I'm going to say, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking it? And is what I'm thinking making me happy? Because this train of unconscious thought is coming. Every It's coming constantly. You're on the platform. The door opens, and the, the unconscious mind is saying, stay. The, the unconscious mind is saying, get on this train. And, 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 and you're saying, no, not today. I'm not getting on you today. No, I, this it'll be fine. I'll be just fine without you. So, again, you get that choice constantly. Then in the evening, uh, about five to ten minutes before I go to sleep, again, asking the question, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking it? And is what I'm thinking making me happy? And if not, I don't need to go there. You've had a fascinating life. That's great food for thought. You continue to do fascinating things, including your work in Africa. I highly recommend everybody go to the website, anotherwaytohappiness.com. Dr. Ski Chilton, biochemist, philanthropist, author, the new book, There Is Another Way to Happiness, the four-step cast process that'll transform your life. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys have been a delight. Thank you.